Hey guys, this is Nisha from So Here's What Happened and Did You Have To? Throughout the month of October, podcasts like ours and others in the Bawaii Geek community are fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital so that all kids can enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. You can donate now at stjude.org forward slash Bawaii Also, our community will be performing challenges when certain amounts of donations are made to our page. For example, for $15, I will eat five pieces of disgusting candy corn for a great cause. To learn more about how gamers and content creators worldwide are supporting kids of St. Jude, go to playlive.stjude.org. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm Nisha, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Carolyn. What's up? Yep, and we are back again to do recap episode of Lovecraft Country for episodes seven and eight, and we are joined again by our special guest. Yay, Perdita Henry here. I didn't mean to <laughs> thank you again. No, hey. thanks again for coming and being here with us. I like I I really did just enjoy like granted to the people they think this is probably happening two separate times, but like you are sticking with us from like a whole batch of recordings and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I um I love this show, so I got plenty to talk about when it comes to this ridiculously violent and just jaw dropping show. I love it. Just for like I don't know. I, I I'm in the mood for spooky things mm-hmm. at, towards the end of, towards the end of July, so I feel like Lovecraft Country came at the right time for me. And now we're in spook, full blown spooky season, so I'm like, yes, horror, sci fi, goriness, yeah. uh, bring it on. But Carolyn, if you want to take us away into the synopsis, synopsis. I'm not going to be. A, I'm not a grammar teacher. <laughs> All right. So we're covering episode seven and eight, and episode. Seven is entitled I Am, and this is about Hippolyta's relentless search for answers, which takes her on a multi-dimensional journey of self-discovery as Atticus heads to St. Louis to, uh, to conduct an old family, sorry, <laughs> consult an old family friend. So wait, for, for you Americans, is it, would it be St. Louis or St. Louis? St. Louis. St. Louis? Uh, I mean, yeah. there's, it depends on who you ask. People, I said St. Louis because like, that's my family, but like also, it, I say St. Louis. I say, um, but it's not, I think it's like you think. Pretty said St. Louis. Most people are gonna say St. Louis. Oh, okay, okay. And for um episode eight, which is entitled Jigabobo, um Diana finds herself in Captain Lancaster's crosshairs when a visitor from his past arrives. Atticus and Le- Letty take steps to protect their future. We'll see. Um, so we'll begin by episode with episode seven again, which is um, very polite centric. And um, so this episode starts off with um, with Hippolyta this working on the orrery, which is this um, machine that follows that calculates the um, the rotation of planets around each other and around the moon and the sun. And we saw in episode three, we saw her find the orrery in Letty's house, and which also belonged to that horrendous man, um, Dr. Epstein. And she, and 
that episode clued me in that Hippolyta was um had possibly supernatural magical abilities because if you remember that scene the way how she finds Ori is that she goes upstairs looking for Diana and the door to the room opens by itself and she the way she goes towards this thing on a table is like she's drawn to it like she was meant to find it and then lo and behold we do find out that she was meant to find it because in episode seven we see her calculate we see her coming up with trying to figure out how to how to get it to work properly and she does she solves it and this episode really kicks off for her, for her journey, where she goes to this, um, she follows the map, which was created by Diana. And as we saw, we saw George and Letty and them use the map in episode two. And it's the same map she's using now. And she follows this map, which takes her to an observatory. And it's an observatory where um, the Braithwaite's have a connection to it because she finds a key that was with Ori and activates it and gets sucked up into a wormhole just as two cops arrive and try to kill her and take who has arrived to to save her. And she's sucked into this wormhole and ends up in, we assume it's a spaceship. It's never clarified if it's a building or a spaceship, but in this white room and this amazing black woman this Amazon, we, we call her an Amazon because she's tall and statuesque and she has this, the my, most magnificent geometric afro ever. And she's like, and Hippolyta is like, are you, why are you holding me here? And she's like, you are not a prisoner. I'm like, lady, you got me locked in a room. I'm a prisoner. Um, <laughs> and that's, and that's where Hippolyta's amazing journey begins. And she travels to the past, to the present, to the future, because she goes to um, Paris where Josephine Baker is dancing on stage and she and she takes this and she goes to um, ancient Africa and she is training with the Amazons. Um, it's not said, but I'm but her Hippolyta in Greek mythology is the queen of the Amazons and Diana is her daughter. And mm-hmm. it always clued in that that was where they all it always clued in that was where that story was gonna go because in episode three. In the observatory, again, another observatory in the museum, Hippolyta tells Diana that she won a competition for naming a comet, which she called Harris Carriage. And I'm again, okay, you got something to do with the story, just supernatural. And again, it's revealed here that she does have a supernatural connection to the beyond, to the stars, and it's just magnificent. I love it. I mean, I, I I love this because like we had this prediction about this character. We're like, I really hope that we get to see more of her because you know when we first see her, we're introduced to her and George, Uncle George, on the bed, and they just like have this very intimate, lovey dovey moment. But then you see, and it's, I like how this episode brings it back to that moment. But you see the moment because, like we mentioned in our previous episode. Um, the women of the show, and I think Hippolyta is a great example of this, is how women make themselves smaller for men, or they they conform. And then it's like it's it's like as women, as like as like, and I say this as myself, like I'm going to be 29 this year, and I just think I like I've been going through these moments of looking back on like home videos and seeing younger me, and I'm like, where did that child go? Like, where did that rambunctious, loud? unafraid like not like you know when you're a child and you're like especially for girls when you don't feel like anything is holding you back 
ever. And then it shifts. And then that moment happens. And I feel like that's a moment that I think a lot of black women could probably like pinpoint when, when was the moment when you had to start making yourself feel small for others or like had to start conforming to please others. And I like that because in the first episode, when we saw Hippolyta, I was like, I want to see more of her. There's more mm-hmm. to her because she would talk about like, if you would let me go on the trips too, I'm like, let, ma'am, you seem capable. I've only heard you say a few lines, but you seem like a capable woman. So I like how the show gives us this episode and we see how capable and how much more there is to Hippolyta. And uh, it, it, this is probably, this might be my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll stop talking so our guests can say some words. <laughs> Vito? Hippolyta. Um, this is just... And this one didn't shake me like a uh, strange case Ruby's episode did. This one I felt like was based in the quieter truths of black womanhood. Um, this one just to dream a dream um, outside of the standards that are projected and expected of you as a woman, especially as a black woman, um, to realize that, you know, everything that you've wanted, desired, that you basically gave those, put those things to rest because you recognize the reality of the situation and felt like those are just dreams that's not reality um and then the quiet desperation that you have um as you journey forth into that life but Hippolyta gets a chance to live the lives that she needs the most and that she wants the most So watching her fall through time into a costume on Josephine Baker's stage um, was just the ultimate giddiness because Josephine Baker, Maya Angelou, um, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Nina Simone, I feel like those are patron saints of Black girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to see Hippolyta to to fall through time and end up there and then have that moment, those moments, but that particular moment with right. uh, Josephine where they're standing at the bar and Hippolyta says, uh, you got that look in your eye again. And that conversation, I want to have a whole story about yep. Josephine Baker again and we already had that movie come out but that actress and um and I'm blanking on her name right now why can't I think of who plays Hippolyta I know her name That's, um, Ingenue, Ingenue, yeah those two in that scene in those moments together that was real black women talking about the realities that we we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just beautiful in that scene because it's the pain and the rage and uh, the beauty of it. It's all there in that brief scene in those moments. So I just, that that's a quiet joy, that episode. 
And that that episode is, I think, to me, out of all of the all of them, including episode five, ironically, um, speak specifically to black girlhood, whereas the things we wish we could be and the things we want to be, and black womanhood, which is the things we are and the things we hope to be. Um, and I say that with regards to black girlhood because like we when we watched we we would have watched films like I knew about Josephine Baker because my dad would listen to her music. Um and we would watch um films from that era and like if you know like film history or music history, you know that she was one of I think the one of the first major black crossovers, we would say musical crossovers from West from America into Europe. And because um, she went to Patty and she and she was magnificent and like people and everyone loved her. And like and when you and it's and it's simple to say, oh, she that um, Hippolyta wanted to be seen on stage. And yes, she wanted to be seen. She wanted to be a performer. But it's about being able to just be in your body. Right. Just be able to enjoy. And it took me back to when I was in secondary school, even when I was in primary school, when I used to dance like I, I love dancing. I did all kinds of dance. I did like contemporary I did um African what we call African dance I did ballroom dancing up in up into my early 20s and it's so it's and it, it just made me think of all of this all like how happy I used to be dancing mm-hmm. and and then there's these and then there's this scene where she's uh she's in Africa and she's learning from these other women about mm-hmm. embracing her anger and it's about letting that anger fuel you to do what you need to do whether it's fighting against patriarchy or just embracing who you are as a woman like our anger feeds us our anger fuels us and our anger is energy is what we can use to make ourselves stronger and it's also okay that we're angry because we've been through some shit black women face so much and it's like our anger is justified our anger is righteous and our Mm -hmm. anger is is ours and then there's the relationship. Again, we, we spoke about episode five and even episode um, six, where we talk about women making themselves smaller and um, to appeal to men. And we see where, and we see Hippolyta talk about how she shrunk when she met George. Mm. And it's about how we, we are, we're always expected to subvert ourselves and subdue ourselves for men and when we get into relationships we were told that we should be content that we don't deserve more and we shouldn't want more and and it talks about how george and how george acknowledges his part in it because he starts out saying where he helped her and he's like no i encourage this and he's like i ha- i'm the person who allowed you to make yourself smaller because Mm-hmm. Men would say, you're this amazing person. I fell in love with you. And then when they marry you or they get into a relationship with you, they expect you to change from the very thing that they say were, you were, they were attracted to in the beginning. And, and that, that, was, uh, that was something to see where you see her acknowledging it, but also him as a man acknowledging his part in it. And, and I saw him as representative of society, but especially Black men, because Black men, we always talk about Black women men black men expect women to keep supporting them and holding them up while they try to hold us down and then and then you know or then are they either either they they want us to to do everything on their terms and Mm -hmm. it brought to mind there's this japanese sorry no chinese proverb called um women hold up half the sky and it's about 
the sky itself will always be there, but without women, the sky would fall. And it's it's about the importance of women in society and the import and the on and it's the invisible hand that we provide to society as a support. And that this episode kind of reminded me of that. And mm-hmm. it it showed how women throughout history have always been strong, have always been needed, but we but we don't always get that acknowledgement of that. And we're, and, we're, and we're always told to not expect to be acknowledged for that. Yeah. I think that's a very powerful statement on that because I, and just bringing it back to like Uncle George and his acknowledgement, I will say, like, out of the men of the show, I miss Uncle George the most. <laughs> and I wish he hadn't died so soon because that was my whole thing. Like, dang it, I knew he was going to die. As soon as the first episode ended, I knew he was going knew he was going to die. But like what I like about, right. But it's just, it's that moment. And I'm just like, you know what? I feel like so many issues in the world, especially for the ones that black women face, if more black men could be like Uncle George in that moment and Mm. recognize how they have contributed to literally holding black women down, even when they aren't actively thinking they're doing it. And I'm just like, this is just cathartic to hear him say this but it is also just like I like that that they have this conversation because this is a conversation that you could tell it always needed to be had Mm -hmm. and that's what I like about how this storytelling it felt cyclical it felt like their story was able to be complete like he dies and she's off trying to find out what happened to him and everything but it's like this is the conversation they should have had while he was still alive and I think she needed this as a part of her grieving process with just everything on top of trying to, I guess like now, I mean, cause she knows the supernatural or sci-fi is out there. The science fiction is out there, but like, it's like, you haven't even, you don't even know what's going on with your baby yet. But I guess that's something I want to bring to like a point, like she is offered the opportunity to be integrated into this society, which I'm just gonna call that giant Amazon woman Garnet, because she reminds me of Garnet from Steven Universe. She's God. Yeah. She's God. Her, She's her God. Yeah. In the um, in the IMDb, in the IMDb listing, her name is Serafina, which is interesting. Um, also AKA Beyonce. <laughs> hilarious um but yeah but i saw people i saw other people i saw you and other people refer to her as garnet too because like that amazing way that amazing afro it's the (laughs) it's the sci-fi-ness it's just like it's it's a lot it's it's the visuals but like it's that moment where like when she chooses to go back to be sent back instead of being integrated into their society fully that for me it is just like this is like from this from this episode. I feel like we learned so much about Hippolyta. I feel like we really get so much of this quality time with her. But like, but it makes sense that she goes back. Even though I was like, "Girl, there ain't nothing back there for you." But I remember, like, yeah, her daughter. Yeah, her daughter. What are you talking about? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, if we if her daughter wasn't in the equation, mm-hmm. I was just like, "Don't go back to the trash ass 1950s." No, go and explore all the aspects of space and time freely free from oppression, free from things that would hold you back. But it may, but I'm like, it also like really touches my heart that like she gives all that up for her daughter. 
And I'm like, this is like, I feel like this episode really paints a great picture of like who Hippolyta is at her core. But then it also shows us that she finds herself. Hmm. Yeah. She, because in each scenario that she goes in, um, when Serafina tells her, you are not a prisoner, it takes Mm -hmm. her a while to realize that she can break out of here that she has the knowledge to be able to break herself right. out of here. Then when she travels into Josephine time, Josephine's time, um, she acknowledges her anger. She gets to feel free. She gets to feel true mm-hmm. freedom. Um, but she also acknowledges the fact that she's very angry. Um, and then when she goes into her, her next uh, interaction, it's to learn how to channel that anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets to kill the white people that she wanted to kill because she tells Josephine straight up, I want to kill white people. Um, mm-hmm. Which I thought, I thought about my mom a bit when she was in Vietnam. She's a Vietnam era vet. Uh, mm-hmm. She had to go to Korea and she was stationed there for a while. And she was very surprised and shocked at herself um, because all of her anger, she was born in 1950, but all of her anger about racism and all of that that she had been carrying for years kind of came out there. And she felt really prejudiced against the Korean people that worked on the base. And she felt horrified at herself for how she felt. Mm. But then also she like she started doing what she needed to do to try to figure out to get to the root of that. Um, So I think there's, and I kind of feel like even in my personal experiences and things that um, I feel like there's a time frame in which you get to into black womanhood and you start to feel the anger of all of it. It's like, it keeps going. As uh, Montrose says, white folks gonna keep coming for you. Um, And the older you get, the longer you survive it, the more anger you get until one day you realize no matter what I'm going to what I do, this is something I'm going to have to deal with. So when we see Hippolyta go through all of that and she <laughs> she becomes the warrior that she needs to be and then ultimately mm-hmm. make peace with George, she now has all the ingredients to be able to come back to 1955 and really do and be what she wants to be despite her circumstances right so i'm really glad to see how that wrapped up but i also wonder because it's so unusual in pop culture for us to see mothers say i'm not going back and Mm. we usually have a really really tough time dealing with mothers who just say i can't do this i don't want to do this Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to when it comes to motherhood. Um, but the, the thing is, there are two things about that. No, so the, the thing that really interests me with Hippolyta um, is when she says she wants to kill white people is anyone who's hearing that your first, like, I had the first thing to, I was like, oh, she's so violent. But then I was like, there are times I just want to just smack the hell out of white people because the shit they say and the things they've done to us, it's like, you have no idea Like you do get angry and you get upset and you, and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then when she's given an opportunity to fight, it's white men one, but it's also white men from the turn of the 
I'm going to say early 18th century because of their clothes. Because the man who starts, she says, I'm sure, pretty sure, supposed to be General Custer. And he was a Confederate general. And well, we know what the Confederates did. And they were fighting to oppose slavery in, in, um, in the United States. So she was given the opportunity to take out her anger on a man who was a horrible person. He was not only racist, but he was extremely violent towards um, Black and Native American people. All right. And so I thought that that was interesting. And there were also men who had on like um, dungarees and stuff. So they were also like cowboys, which was which also had been from um, Custer's era. So it kind of made me think of um, that Kevin Costner film. Oh, uh, I think I, I heard a lot. <laughs> so I thought that was yeah. pretty interesting. Um, but, hmm? Yes, it kind of made me think of that film. But yeah, but, but, but we know Custer, like he um, was the one who killed Jerome at the Battle of, I had the name and it slipped my mind. But, um, and then the other thing that like, Dita is mentioning about with the mother. Now we would all like there are. It would have been some truly something to see Hippolyta say, "I don't want to go back." But she has to go back not only for D because D's her daughter, but also she has to go back because as a black woman, we can't we we couldn't have again an, a black mother abandoning her child, her daughter. Because let's remember Ruby and and um and Letty they have an acrimonious relationship partly because of their mother, whatever their relationship with their mother has caused that rift in, in their relationship. So to have a show like this, which is supposed to be about, we assume supposed to be about Black empowerment and showing the, the tri- trials and tribulations of Black Americans, especially to have it where you don't have any Black mothers present, that would be an issue for me. Because... Um, um- Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I well, what I was gonna say is I I think that when we start saying black empowerment and um you know this show is supposed to be about black empowerment, we really narrow the focus of what this this show about black people is supposed to be. And I think that black people exist as people first, and that women ultimately yeah, they're like for I can't hear. Give it a second. Carolyn, try and say something now. Dang it. She froze. Yep, I'm just going to clap so I can edit this out. No, messenger. I should pop back in. Okay. I don't know what happened. (laughs) There we go. Okay. Wait. So, Perdita, if you don't mind, because you were saying something, and I don't know, I don't know who had less said, less said something. What was the last thing you heard you say? Girl, it came it out was, gargled. Oh. Uh, the whole thing? 
So, yeah, okay, so I, so the last thing I heard, that last thing that Pradeep had said was um, when she talked about that empowerment narrowing the scope. That you heard, you heard that part, right? Mm-hmm. Dita. Yeah, yeah. I, I. Right, and so, so I thought you were saying. So you didn't hear my response to that, but I didn't see hear your response at all. Oh, okay. All right, so I repeat my response then. Um, so let's see. One, two, three. Um, okay. So when I say black empowerment, I, I don't mean it as a way to narrow the scope. For me, black empowerment is actually very broad. Um, it's about how we as a people or black women are empowered to do anything. And it's not for me, it's not only just about the black power symbol, the, the fist and black lives matter and all that. It's about who it's about us. Like we were discussing um, her, her Hippolyta as a black woman and like, like even Nisha has said earlier in in the previous episode, which is a recap of the five episode five and six recap, where she, where she um for where she talked about her experience at work, where she said for her school, where she, where you said um for you you oh, you, well, you can't separate your blackness from your from your womanhood, right? And for me, when I say black, so when I say black power, your empowerment, empowerment as a because we, I'm intrinsically black. I'm intrinsically a woman, and I'm tight. Anything that I'm empowered to do is because I'm part like the traveling through space and time, performing on stage. She's empowered as a black woman. If it's Diana in episode eight cussing out these two cops, she's empowered as a young black girl. If it's whenever she finds her agency, God sign at least that's her empowerment as a black woman if it's me being able to voice my opinions whether it's on twitter or here on a podcast i'm empowered as a black woman to do that that's what i mean so it wasn't me when i say i don't mean i need to limit the scope of the show so when i um like and back to do with black mother i mean like to that because she's yes, she's more than a mother, but she's also uh, and she's she's there also to set an example for Diana because she can tell Diana of all the things that she's done, and she can tell that we more than this. We are more than who they say we are, right? And so when I say the show needs to have a black mother, it's very important. We don't have any other black mothers on the show. So right? um, and and I think it's important. And if if that's why I need like to come back. Yeah, so when I was talking about that, I'm really coming from the idea that there's this belief that if you have a kid that, you know... Oh, man, you What was that? I hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, there's this idea a lot of the times when it comes to motherhood that, you know, you're a mother now, it's your choice. You did Mm -hmm. this, you're responsible. You have to be here and not everybody wants to do that. Um, so a lot of the times what we see in popular culture is that of course you're going to go back. You don't have a choice but to go back. You have a child to raise. Um, and I think that narrows the scope of what the the humanity of women 
because not everybody wants to do that. And I don't think that Hippolyta could have been, I think as people, as we are conditioned by society to believe and think about motherhood often, that she could be very much judged if she did not go back. If mm-hmm. she chose to say, no, that's that's not going to be my choice. I like, think we would have judged her very, very harshly had she made that choice. And I think people would have um, stripped her of any kind of admiration they had toward her because of that choice. Point blank, the single choice out of all the choices that she's make made, I think they would have judged her entirely by that choice. And we see that. And we've seen it in real life. We do not respect Mm -hmm. women that make the choice that say, I can't do this. I don't want to do this, whatever their reasons may be. I've had trouble trying to reconcile, like, how could you abandon your kid? Like, that's your kid. But at the same time, that's a person. Mm -hmm. And they, they make their choices based on whatever it is their needs are. And as women, we're judged way harsher for saying I'm not going to do this than men are at all. And I think that's something that like really stuck out to me. So like for me, I think like we all agree, like no, like from what we know of Hippolyta, we knew she was going to go back. It's just like something that's very comforting that like, it's not that she felt like, oh, I'm a mother. I have to go back. It's because like D, her daughter that she loves she does not want like it's not like this disconnect of like it's my duty as a mother to go back. It's the like my child is back there. And I feel like there's a difference between the two. But then also it's because like and not to keep I feel like I've just become shit on Atticus. But I feel like if Atticus if, if Atticus or like just any <laughs> other male character was in this position, because it's it, it happens in so much and so much like, you know. You know, films, a man comes upon some like mysterious power and he leaves his family to explore this mysterious power that he has. And nobody yells at the man for going off and to learn how to use this mysterious power that he now has. Yeah. I mean, yes, you do. And I, I do, do too. I do. Because we, we, we will drag him to filth. But it's like, <laughs> and like to even use it on a smaller scale, it's like when men and women cheat on TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like the man is not held to the same it's not like you you see it and like I can't remember what happened this summer or like last year but there was a there was something that happened and you saw how people drag the female character I'm like but wait the men characters do this all the time so mm-hmm. why is it that oh it's because she's a woman that y'all will crap on her for cheating or doing something that typically you see a man do so like I agree like if this was like I can't think of any other man male character besides Atticus oh wait no, I can. Atticus is willing to sacrifice himself in order to protect his family, mm-hmm. but he don't feel that that's and he makes that choice on his own. Mm-hmm. So I know that's like a different spectrum, but mm-hmm. no one's going to yell at Atticus except for Letty, who rightfully showed so needs to tell him to sh- shut up and sit down. But like mm-hmm. Atticus will go off and make these huge decisions by himself without <laughs> talking to anyone who it, they will have the repercussions of. And he'll just do them. Whereas it's like, if a female character were to do that in that same regard, I I just feel like people are going to crap on them or call her stupid or call her this and all these other things. 
So it's just, I feel like it's a deeper discussion of how we see characters are like, you know, written this way and the, the actions they do and how like specifically female characters are not given the opportunity to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's true because, <clears throat> because the thing is, is which I, which I found extremely interesting is the last part of Hippolyta's journey we see when she says she needs to go back to D is after she has the conversation with George in their bed, they're traveling the world together. And I, no, sorry, not the world, the universe together. And they're like right. scientific explorers. And she is, um, and I think that's what the character's name is, is in Diana's comic book, is the the black woman who with the blue hair who explores the moon is named Seraph if I remember correctly from the title on the thing so the 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 celestial being whose name is Beyonce is also named Seraphina but Seraph is a Seraph is a a diminutive of that name and this is who she is the blue-haired space traveler and it's interesting that George is there that this is because and when in the comics, we in the from what we've seen in the comics, no man is there, but the George is there for her, and I think it was to show that she was genuinely happy married to George, despite all their issues. She was genuinely happy with him, and and because and she wished she had been given the chance at Sporism because we know that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to travel on the road with him, um, to to go across country to contribute, um get first-hand experiences to the Green Book um, research. And that's what she always wanted. She always wished she could have traveled and then researched with him. So she got to do that celestially. And and the thing is, is I think that for her, when she went back to D, it wasn't only because she was a mother. And it was also because she knows that D needs someone there for her. Because as we, and I'm going to segue into episode eight, because as we saw in episode eight, none of these darn adults, care about that little girl, worried about that little girl, put any kind of effort into watching that child. And I'm like, that's why... That's None why of them should be parents. None of them should be parents. To, to look back at that, to look after that child, because none of these other adults could do, can do it. No, mm-mm. I don't no. trust them. Bunch Even the man who is a father himself, she, I mean, he's a, <laughs> a terrible father in the first place, so I don't, I don't know so. why they put him in charge of watching her. I was just like, this, the man who beat you? Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let him be in charge, even though he's her uncle. I don't, okay, whatever. Make no sense. Don't make no sense. Make no sense. But also, it's just like, it. the best, I think the only person who like really know, who kind of really looked out for her was Ruby. Mm-hmm. And even then. And, and even then, she got all caught up with the Christina William BS anyway. And I thought that was atrocious because yeah. I'm like, you were getting, wish... getting your stress on with this this white woman man well, rather than going home and looking for this little girl who's missing on a day where she's going to be the most vulnerable. I'm like, all y'all are responsible and good for nothing right now. I'm, yeah, I, was like, I do think it was, a, I'm like, okay, if y'all all think that D is still, because that's why I was, I need, maybe I need to go back and rewatch it because I'm like, the moment when like Ruby goes back to like William Christina's house, I'm like, 
Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to refer any other way. Do we just call William Christina? That's William Christina. William Christina. William Christina. And like that's so shady. I just like really don't know how we want to refer, especially when William comes up. Um, but anyways, William Christina's house, and it's like. Okay, I, I I just can't remember. Like, do we know where D is at this point? <laughs> no, but like, like I don't like because I'm like I'm thinking I'm like wait 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 wait. So I understand that like Ruby and everybody else is having like a lot of them. So as we know, like the death of the Teal happened, and then D's friend Bobo was murdered. And no, it's Bobo like, is all- Till. Yeah. Damn it, Bobo was his nickname. Wait, what? Yeah, it's that's, that's why I was so from, confused. I was just like, hold on, did I miss something? I missed yeah. something big. My bad. No, remember no. back when they were in Holy Ghost that episode and they were all playing the Ouija board? Yeah. That was that was Emmett Teal. They just called him Bobo. That was Bobo. his actual nickname. And that's what was throwing me off because I was just like, oh my God, how's this happened with two boys? Oh my, I feel like now that just hit me in my chest harder because I was already sad. I was yeah. already distraught. I'm like, this is not, this is not okay. And like, you just see how much emotions D is going through. But like, so that happens. Also not to mention, so a black child was murdered in the till, aka Bobo. And y'all, and now another a black child, a little girl is missing. Y'all first thought isn't, is she safe? Could she be? Could she go get killed? And it's like in the first twenty minutes, everybody's concerned, and then after that, it's like, well, we got our own bigger things going on. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like we got things to do. Diana, take care of herself. Not even twenty minutes, because as soon as they separated, they all went going to do their own business. That one take good nothing. Take went to meet up with Christina. Fool, why? I'm still why? trying why, to figure out why Ruby why, why went. Why did Williams house? Why did Ruby go to his? Why did Ruby go to Williams house? You knew good and damn well you wasn't gonna find <laughs> Diana at Williams house, right? So I'm like, even if you went there to change, I'm like everything that transpired there, and like you know the whole like I didn't want to have sex with you as a black woman any other time that day. I'm like, but I'm like y'all still having sex the whole. I'm like. The whole lying, I'm like, I I understand the sex was more of a, Ruby just needed to feel something else. And I understood that. But I was just still stuck. I'm like, are y'all still, I'm like, what I need to know, I'm like, are y'all still having sex after you found out that this woman is William and that she lied to you this entire time? Which I guess like we get our answer at the end of the episode with Ruby that when she takes the vial. So I, I think I, I just have so much. We've already gone into Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still Enough. a lot there to be there's like. A, there's a lot I, there. And I think like there's, there's context there we got to touch on. But like we just don't have the time to unpack Ruby. <laughs> and I want to. Give me a headache. I, I swear to you. When that scene happened, I was so pissed. Because I'm like, first them first, Ruby. Dean going to be at William Christina's house. So why is your ass there? You were supposed to go back to the house to make sure that little girl turned up. No, you were supposed to be staying in the crowd. How'd you wander away? I found yourself from the south side of Chicago to the north side. That's a walk. Up to William Christina's house. And then you're going to go sleep with William Christina. And then 
all this time, you and D has not crossed your mind. This little black girl who you know is alone. Who she's supposed to be watching. She's the only one who's actually responsible for yeah, because she, was, she was supposed to stay at the funeral. She wasn't supposed to, and then good for nothing. Take where to meet Christina. And you think he asked about maybe could you help me find my niece? She's missing. No, no, he's he looking for to, to, to train. He's traveling, Christina. Like, why would you listen to anything Christina say? He's gonna go and take a spell from her, but he don't know what that spell could do for all he know. That spell could turn him into a tree. He don't know. I know why this fool keep listening to that woman. He does not know the long-term effects of these darn spells that she's giving him. And then, and then when you D makes it whole, Montro, Mom, God, mm, that child had a horrific day. The first thing I, what the first thing you're going to do, get angry. And that was one of the things I tweeted. I said, listen to me. Adults, the first thing adults do is turn to anger instead of concern. Because his first thought should have been, are you okay, D? Are you fine? No, he's going to get angry. But as we've seen, Montrose is not ever going to win Daddy of the Year awards because he has anger issues. He does not know how to deal with children. And then Letty, she finally sees D, and she's just going to dismiss the child. The child is clearly shaken, experiencing something, and she's all distracted. Like, I can't deal with you right now. I'm like, bitch, were you not looking for that girl like 20 minutes ago? Was Your, your purpose was not supposed to be you. Where's the concern? All of them... None of them adults good. All the thing about specifically the scene with Letty made me very angry because yeah. this child is standing in front of you, um, clearly upset, clearly in a state of she asked her, Do you see that? Letty turns around and looks and then turns back, mm-hmm. and Diana is coughing. Like she's choking. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Y'all literally deal with magic. Understand that magic is real. And she's asking you if you see something that she sees, but you don't see. You literally have to clear your whole house of of ghosts, multiple ghosts that you saw. And you telling me that you didn't even recognize in that moment a bit of concern about what this child was seeing, like you even know, a little bit. At least Rose was able to see and kind of rethink, like, oh, wait a minute. Like she's really real, like maybe I need to come at this a different way. But He's the only then, one that did. But even he the only he one that did his father, even that he got more caught up with his father's love life than checking on D. Because instead of going to D and checking on D, what are you going to do? Oh my God, Daddy, did you sleep with Ellie? Did you sleep with men while you were... Boy, that is not your concern and Daddy's your damn business. That is not the priority right now, Tick. That is... That's some other time. Why are you asking Daddy about... Tick stays on brand all the time. All, 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 this little girl suffering all, all day. And that's, I'm like, these adults say, mm. They're mm. just... No, and... Uh, you made a great point. Because that moment with... Letty really did piss me off because it's just you could have at least told D get in the house it's protected oh my god if something's chasing you you can literally get in the house and be protected while you stay there but no go in the house and get some water what (laughs) it's been missing right why didn't you go with her just go ask her where has she been? What has she seen? What has happened to her? 
None, nothing. And 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 I think more upsetting when you know what D went through even before because what she goes through after is upsetting, but what she went through before with the cops. Oh my god, I hate I despise that, that scene. Horrible scene. That I'm, was I'm honest, I'll be honest with you. I fight that actor. I want to fight. I I hate that scene with a burning passion, and I swear to God, I don't think I ever want to see it again. And uh, that scene was very triggering and upsetting for me. I had a visceral rea- reaction to that scene because I was like, like when he took her like and dragged her, I'm like, no, mm. yeah. And then spit no, I'm like, why? Why did we have to do that? Could they not have cast a spell on her some other way? Why he had no? I didn't like that. I did not. I didn't. no. It's just so gross. That I mean, scene did something to me. Ugh. The whole. <clears throat> It's just like the whole stuff with the cops and their, I guess, I don't even know what to say. Like they're, they're like the secondary this whole thing. Um, like for Christina and also for like the black people on the show. And I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of, I'm ready for y'all to get killed off, which, you know, at the end of the episode, yeah, I'm glad it happened. <laughs> I was like, I'm not mad at this. I was waiting for this moment. I'm good with this. I don't care about the repercussions. They, they need it to go. The, but, oh man, they, the, I'm glad the they got, they got, we got to talk about the monsters. But I don't. I don't yeah. even know what to call them. I know they have names. They're but... Topsy, Topsy, and Bopsy. Mm-hmm. You mean the two? Yeah, the two. Yeah, the two. Um, the two demons, because that's what they are. And they're, they're and because they, they came like... off of the cover of. They're demons for me. Came off the cover of um the book. Oh, demons. I just don't Cabin, know. Which like, I... I'm so curious of like the character design because you know, like I, it's the book that she sees in her bathroom. I'm like, okay, I, I definitely mm. understand that they are like maybe because the cop doesn't even know what they look like. So that told me these are figments of her imagination, not figments of her imagination, but like they took on the appearance uh-huh. of, of what was in her imagination because the cop doesn't even know what they look like. So I'm like, oh, so they just took on whatever appearance she saw or whatever. And I'm just like, I just want to unpack everything about these two demon things. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want nightmares. I think the writer the writer did a tweet about it, but she I think I only saw her mention the name, which was Topsy and Bobsy, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh but like there there are I think they're what you would say are the stuff of nightmares and they're the stuff of Diana's nightmares, and that there are two black girls. Um, horribly, their faces are horribly disfigured, and they right. have like these ridiculously long bloody nails. And they are like, if I was, did I watch when I first screened the episode? It was daytime. If I had watched this at night, it would have been disturbing because, like, I do like when it comes to horror. I think nothing scares me more than children, like demonic children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, like, yeah, that was the thing. So you have these two. And I think it's interesting because I remember earlier up in the episode where after when she was running from, where she got, where she lost um, track of Tick and them. Remember, she saw mm-hmm. these two young girls outside of this ice cream shop. And it was two young black right. girls. And she, mm-hmm. remember, she threw stones at them and saying, it's not funny. Like, it, nothing about this is funny. And I think that's those two, like, Tops and Bobsy are supposed to be like the nightmarish versions of those two girls because um she's like 
Because if after Emmett's funeral, the first black kids, you see are two young girls eating ice cream cones, all happy and thing. And then later on, like these two manifestations are doing dancing and they're listening and the music that plays for them is kind of this distorted nursery rhyme type of music, right? So it's like distorted joy. And it's like the, so I think that's why, to me, that's my interpretation of them, that they are like the dark manifestation of, I guess you could say, of, darkness and that that particular day like there is nothing to be joyful about for that day Mm -hmm. topsy and bopsy they're the creepiest (sighs) demon spawn that i have seen um in a long time in horror Mm -hmm. i I really do love and enjoy horror films and and tv Mm -hmm. Uh, but I thought the actors that played those two demons did a fantastic job in the abject creepiness of just them being present in their Mm -hmm. movements. Um, The dancing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the the backward skipping? Yo. (laughs) (laughs) I keep looking around the corners of the house now because I'm like, I could just see a face pop out. I'm like, nope, nope, get it out of oh. my brain. I don't want to wake up. Uh-uh. The backwards skipping through the dark hall, the dark alleyway and stuff as D, and you keep wanting D to turn around, yes. and you're literally hollering, turn around, and that framing yep. shot where they have the where D is looking out toward the street at the police station, yeah. and you see the nails enter the frame. Oh, it was the stuff of nightmares, but it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So just watching those performances were, was just fascinating and incredibly entertaining. And then also to think that this uh, Jim Crow era uh, idea of black girlhood Mm -hmm. in the Piccaninny and Mm -hmm. That as a horror trope to yeah. and stalk a black girl in what was modern society in 1955, I thought that was kind of like the spirit of Jim Crow over the ages, the spirit of what people think and thought of black people um, during slavery mm-hmm. and that kind of caricature and how we can never really escape it as black women, um, as black people. So to see her go all the way up and through, you know, Chicago and these two demons are, are, are stalking her. Um, I, I thought that was mm-hmm. a really powerful kind of way to think of, of what was happening um, and to show that. Then (laughs) there's also the idea and the understanding that as a black girl, that you have to kind of put away your pain and do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And as a girl, not just as a woman, but even as a girl. Um, So that was something, I mean, all the adults have essentially either abandoned her or just out minding their own business more so than looking after her. Mm -hmm. And so she finally just decides, fuck it. And she goes in there and she tells the cops off and then (laughs) goes out and decides to set a trap so she can fight off 
her stalkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, in this moment, it's like last girl energy. And I'm like, I like this for D. Like, she's not running away. She's not looking for somebody to come save her because obviously none of the, the adults are capable. <laughs> like, and she's learned that, like, y'all won't tell me if my mama dead or not. My daddy's dead. I'm in danger. None of y'all seem to give a damn. I guess I got to do this for myself. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's sad because I'm like, Dee, you're a baby. You're supposed to still be a baby. You're supposed to be protected. But then it's very real when you think about it. I'm like, ah, yes, to be it's a black tracks. girl means sometimes you have to protect yourself even when you're so young. And yep. it's just like, I just want to give this child a hug. And it pisses me off that Montrose just, she ends Ew. up so, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, I know how I feel about it. I'm angry, obviously, initially. But I think I'm more angry at, like, D now has become, like, this... She, it's a plot device, in a way, where, like, now it's, like, the next episode is going to be about curing her. But I'm like, I just wish she could have escaped. I wish she could have been triumphant. And not That's have true. been like turned into, and I'm, I don't know, maybe plot device isn't the right word, but I'm like, I just didn't want this for her. I, I wanted D to get out of it. That's that's one of the things that really upset me with this show is how it seems. And I know I people are going to probably think I'm harping on this and I, I'm reading way too into it, but I've had my own experiences as a dark skinned black girl. And I, like you said, it upset me that she didn't win. And yeah, she may win eventually in episode nine, but from what we've seen is the things infected her. Yeah. So she's going to be left with whatever consequences of Montrose holding her back, holding her down, not defending her. She's going to be left with that. And it upset me because I'm like, could we, can I have a little black girl winning for once in this show? I'm like, Daya, I'm, Ruby has not won yet. She she has not won with her struggles. Um, Hippolyta won in her battles in the in the other rounds, but we haven't seen her return. She's not there. And now we have another 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 black another young black girl who has not won. She's had a horrible day, and instead of her day ending in comfort, are one of these adults being actually being there for her she's being tormented and I hate that that's the last image we see of her and from what I right. and from what I know of what happens in episode nine from an interview that I did we're not going to see much of her and they better fix it in episode 10 because I mean, I'm, I'm, like, being, I'm being I'm being dead I think I think once Diana comes back, she's just like D, we out, and then they go take back. Her, like, take, her, take her, take her child and leave. But my, my no, I mean like is, go back to the go back to the otherworldly. Yeah, take take space Diana, goddesses. Take, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like, she has the thing in her and she has the things in her arm and the the and um, Serafina has said that they're permanent, right? So I, I I'm hoping that that's what happens in episode ten. She comes, claims her child, say, "Oh, you're all useless." Let me get upon out of this racist this racist country and go raise Word. my child in some great and then I'm going to travel the universe to my daughter. I'm hoping that that's how it ends off. But her and Hippolyta traveling the universe together and leaving all the rest of them 
than than riches than wretches <laughs> to handle their own business, whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. so far, them again treat. I, I, maybe I, I don't. Maybe they take Ruby with her too. I'm like Ruby, you want magic? You want real black girl magic? Travel with Hippolyta and then go see the world. Go go explore. Go explore multiple universes and and realms. These, I, hope, these, I hope that's what happens. <laughs> We don't have much time left, so I'm concerned about how they're going to wrap all this stuff up. I feel like they've never said this was a limited series as far as I can recall in everything. So I would assume that we are getting a season two. So it is supposed to be a limited series, Carol? Oh, God. Just uh, see, now that makes me feel like there's book. gonna be some daisies mocking and stuff going on, and I don't really care for this, that. This, um, from, from my understanding, this is just based on the book. I don't know, maybe if they do a season two, it might be a different story, kind of like an anthology series. Well, that's but, what I'm hoping for. I don't think I mean, in the last two hours that we're gonna wrap this up satisfactory. I could be wrong, they could end up coming through and really showing out these mm-hmm. last two hours, but I they hope could, we get a Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry, finish what you were saying. I was just saying, I hope we get a season two, not necessarily of these this this story or mm-hmm. all of these characters. I but would like to see some of yeah. these characters show up again somewhere in this universe. Because like you said earlier, Nisha, they've done a lot of world building. And it would mm-hmm. be a shame that we don't get to expand or see more of this world, especially right. because I want a season dedicated to Gia. And mm-hmm. what what it means to be a, a Kumia, but um, I'm concerned about everyone involved because <laughs> no one seems to have um, a really good handle on things right now. But I kind of feel like maybe Hippolyta shows back up and she solves it all because mm-hmm. ain't that just like a black woman to show up <laughs> and be like, you fool. Right. And we've and already seen. Oh no, it's not her bloodline. Never mind. It's his. It's the matriarchal bloodline. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Matriarchal it's side. So it's not. Because we still haven't story. Which you know they could cram a lot in the last episode. Maybe I, think, I don't. I, know. Think, I think episode nine is going to be about Tick's bloodline, about the mother's bloodline. I hope so, because it would be a shame to not learn more about her, especially since she actually appears to George yeah. uh, in episode one. I thought we would have gotten that sooner. Now, see, yeah, like this, uh, we can wrap, we can, we can start to end this on like our predictions for like the last two episodes. But uh, dang, y'all bring up a great point, because like. I, if we get a second season, I would love it to be more world building and focus on other supernatural sci-fi things going on in different cultures. Like, look, they could the char- some characters could go to Mexico, they could go overseas, they could go like, I don't know. It's it's a big world with a lot mm-hmm. of lore and I love folklore and scary shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just do it. And it doesn't have to be advocates. <laughs> No, <laughs> not. He, he don't got to be the center of it all. But oh, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe they skip forward in time and we get to see an adult Diana doing amazing stuff. Maybe <laughs> or maybe, maybe. just like I a mean, teen, a slightly older Diana. 
what I like about this show is I think there's a lot of potential and possibility on what they can do with it. I am eager to see what's going to come out of the next two episodes. Um, so I guess, I don't know. Sorry, I didn't want to rush or anything. Because as we were talking about, like, basically predictions for the last two, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask y'all. So what would y'all say are your final thoughts for the, the these two episodes? And then I guess we can kind of touch on what are we looking for in the last two episodes to come out of for the show to end on mm-hmm. Dita you go first okay um so final thoughts on I am Hippolyta's episode I think that's one of the most beautiful um episodes about black women about a black woman kind of dealing with the truth of her reality and figuring out the ways that she can make peace with some of it, but also move forward in a way that honors her and lifts Mm. up to her expectations. Um, And I think that's something we all are constantly evolving and trying to do. So um, beautiful episode, no notes. (laughs) Um, Jigabobo, I think the horror aspect of that was spot on terrifying episode um topsy and bopsy i think are um one of those pop culture references that probably will live on for a long time um you're gonna know that creepy ass backwards (laughs) skipping if you see it somewhere and it's gonna make you feel weird and i think that's just kind of a, a horror classic um that we hadn't seen before. So I was really excited about that. Um, I thought it was, I think they do a great job using spoken audio clips over, um, mm-hmm. over, over scenes in this show. Um, and Dee's episode was no exception to that. Um, I think it pointed out some very specific things that we saw going on with Dee, some very specific things that they actually did in the episode um, to show how Black girls are often disregarded um, yeah. and that their experiences are often right. muted. Um, and so while D got the short end of the stick in this episode, in the series, I feel like, um, I think ultimately we just know we need more opportunities to explore black girlhood and Mm -hmm. we need to be seen. We need to be saved on film. We need to be cared for. That needs to be seen. Yes. Mm, yeah, that would be. Um, that's my main takeaway too. Is out of for both episode, I would say even episode. Um, yeah, for for episode seven and eight, it's about seeing black women and black girls care for, and particularly dark skinned black women and dark skinned black girls cared for, and because we still have yet to see that really happen for. Um, Ruby or Diana and I but despite my misgivings with the episode I do have to praise Jada Harris that she did a phenomenal job in this episode as Diana like she went in and the two performers who were the two um the Topsy and Bobsy like they were phenomenal and and again that's I would say the strongest aspect of this show so far has been 
the acting, the performances, and they they shine through. And so I can't wait to see what she does in the future. And I just hope that by episode, the end of episode 10, that we get a moment where both Ruby and Diana are considered and, and thought of and cared for. And if we don't have a moment like that, I will be genuinely upset. And I think that was for the whole series for me because it shows a feeling in a particular aspect of of um, TV and cinema where we don't get to see young dark skin black girls be happy, have their, you know, their moment in the sun. And and it also upsets me that we that Diana wouldn't even have had that without having to go through such traumatic experiences. And you know, we always talk about we want films about young black young black girlhood and we want that. And I just want moments with girls just being darks and being happy and just doing anything. I don't want no kind of traumatic story, like no drama. Just like, can I just have like a story with a young girl? Just no, nothing untoward happens for like the entire runtime. Just, just give me that just once. I would love, I would love to see that just once. Oh, I feel you on that. And yeah, my final thoughts are, yeah, no. I just like I said that Hippolyta's episode remain is going. I am, I think, is going to remain my favorite, my top mm-hmm. episode. Uh, if I were to make a list, it's my top one, just because, like Katie, you said it perfectly. No notes. I think it is what I wanted out of. It's what I wanted for Hippolyta from the beginning to get to know more about this character and to see what makes her her. Um, and as for. <laughs> I can't even say the name because I'm afraid they're gonna pop up. Um, <laughs> I just I applaud it for being great horror like that. That thing, th- those things are going to like literally creep me out from now on. Whenever I see that, like those kind of books, because like my mom has a collection of like very old books from like uh, that's been our family for years, and I've seen the depiction of them. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. We used to have those. It is flipped. It's flipped it for me now. It's like, a, oh no, this is like the boogeyman times ten. Could you <laughs> imagine if they did a horror movie about Ancient Mama or like? I want it. I kind of want it. I just need to be I'll done appropriately of, by I the right people. Like I will say something. They kind. Of, they reminded me of um, Caribbean depictions of demons because when I saw them they were actually kind of familiar to me because I've seen that kind of artwork at home in Barbados and in the Caribbean so they actually didn't really terrify me that much beyond the fact that they are children because as I said children in horror films I think are more disturbing and creepy than adults than adult villains and but there was a there was a familiarity in in how they look because I've seen that kind of artwork in books and in art and like they like they're 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 like demonic representations of pickaninnies and like back home we actually use a word similar to that which is derivative which is a derived from that word which is pickney and pickney is children <laughs> and like we would like we would tell someone like barbers we say go collect your pickney and we mean children <laughs> and you so so like when i saw them i'm like oh pickney pick and uh, pickaninnies i was like oh yeah i hope we just say pickney so like they were disturbing for me, but there was also like a familiar a familiarity in them. And like like Dita said, 
my mom used to have those kind of books and my dad um, used to have those old, you know, those old books from like the fifties and the forties and the sixties. And they have, they had a very specific kind of art, um, art design. So when on, on Dan is, you know, the bookshop had those books. I'm like, yeah, I've seen those type. My dad had, my mom and my dad used to have those, those books. I see them in the library at school and that kind of stuff. So I thought that was a pretty neat thing. So I just thought I'd mention that because I was like, oh yeah, that was. No, but like pretty, yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like, because like a lot of us have seen those depictions. Um, I think, yeah, pretty, like you said, like, what if they did make a horror movie out of like these depictions? And I think, I, would I think, I think that would be something. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I would be here for it. I'm so here for it. And I didn't think I want it until and- now. As much as white folks love to reminisce about their mammies and stuff like that, if she was murdering everybody in the house, you wouldn't be so reminiscent of it. If your little your little playmates and stuff on the plantation and everything that you were that were forced oh. to with you, if they were topsy and bopsy, y'all wouldn't have such fond reminiscence of. of I want that there be a fun like hand game. About Topsy and Bobsy that summons them. Mm-hmm. And then they go and kill everybody. But like, I'm just imagining, like, yeah, you have like a little a white girl who's like, yeah, they're my friend. And they're braiding her hair and they're like, just to yank the braid. See, I'm already. Helper. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I already yeah, like this, it. How's that taken against other people except for black, young black girls like that? I'm like, you go torment. I was hoping I'd be able to torment to the cops. Because I'm like, you go torment uh-huh. the cops. You go torment. Go torment those kind of people. <laughs> if only. You know? No. Somebody, maybe somebody out there, take our idea and write it. I, I don't have time to write unless Perdita, if you want to write it. Somebody, I just want to see it made. Um, mm. But yeah, I guess so. I think Carolyn, did you say your final thoughts on the on the two episodes? Yeah, just that I want to okay. see. Um, remember, I want to see them cared for, and That's I right. just may hopefully before the end of the season. Yes, we can hope. But um, with that, I guess we can just like kind of quickly segue into like our predictions for the last two um, episodes. As of right now, I just feel like it's a lot to wrap up and a lot of stuff to tie up. I really don't want it to be some Desus Machina mess, you know, where like, oh, like it would be cool for Hippolyta to come back and to like, you know, save everybody or like, you know, to do something and intervene in a way. And I'm like, it's not that I don't want that, but I don't want it to be like this very rushed narrative to a finish line. And then we don't really get everything addressed as it like, you know, we, I feel like it would be, we would get cheated out of that. Mm, I, I don't, I actually don't want her to come back to save everyone. I just want her to come back and Diana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, leave I think Letty I, uh, and take and mantras and them to handle their own stuff because all of that's related to his blood. All that's related to his bloodline. That's their business. If there's one to me, I would say that's family business. I'm like, <laughs> that's family business. Let them handle. That. Let me take my child and go and do what I. Yeah. About to travels, they're going to travel back in episode nine, and I think that's going to be about learning about takes um ancestry and his mother's blood. Oh, I hint of an episode to where George mentions um, of her his his mother's 
of his of her ancestors. So that needs explaining. So I think that's what's gonna happen. But if they do, we're gonna have America. It's gonna be interesting to see. Um with regards to Letty and with regards to the monsters, I'm wondering if those monsters were created by but no, I don't think so. Um, I'm thinking that those monsters, because remember we saw him touch one, the forehead of one, and it calmed down. So now we know two when they were running from when they were was running from the monsters. Actually, there. So if those monsters were created by his ancestors. Or if maybe they were sent for the future by his son. Yeah, we can see. I, I had assumed they were just like from the spell that worked. Can't we'll see what happens from uh, there. And then, Perdita, what did you have any predictions or thoughts for the last two episodes for the season? I hope. Yeah. I hope that none of it feels rushed. Um, I feel like we've taken our time at this point to get us to this point. So there's no need to rush us. Let's just go ahead and tie everything up. Um, We get an inkling about uh, Tick's line going forward and Mm -hmm. that his line becomes a writer. Um, I think that is a light setup for what could be a season two. Hopefully it's Gia first and and then that second because we don't need take quite so much concentration um, (laughs) right now. But um, I hope that Diana is fully restored. Um, Hippolyta and Diana, I feel like those are very Greek names. I feel like there's power in that family. I don't remember what Hippolyta said her daddy's name was, but I remember that conversation that they have. I feel like their power is in the stars. So... I'd like some answers in that. Um, mm-hmm. I'd also like some answers to, um, to uh, what Gia's role is in this, because it's not over yet. I saw, I think Misha said that, yeah, she left the house, but she ain't left Chicago. Um, so I, I'm interested in seeing what happens there. I hope Tick finds the wherewithal to be kind to her because he really didn't have to do that lady like that. Um, and I really want Ruby to get something, a clue, um, a verb. Purpose of her own. Uh, yeah, I, I want Ruby to be, I feel like they really have let us down with the character um, mm-hmm. uh evolution when it comes to Ruby. I feel like she's still in the same place when we met her to a certain extent. And I just want more for her. Um, And the actress playing her, I know she said she had some, she had, she tried not to judge Ruby for doing what she did, but I wonder how she feels as how this character arc has gone. So yeah, I hope that some, some resolution there. Mm, yeah, I, I have the same. Uh, there's something I was about to say off off the thing, um, but yeah, same. 
Um, so we're gonna so we're gonna wrap up again. Thank you, Perdita, for joining Nisha and I for our yes. special. So here's what happened in Lovecraft Country, episode seven and eight. And um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This has been You're welcome anytime. And I think that's it. Um, I so for our we're gonna end off with our plugs. And for me again, as usual, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Carrie CNH12. That's C A R I E C N H12. You can find me writing on butwhythepodcast.com, comicsbeat.com, observe and other um, websites. You um, can find my um, virtual roundtable coverage with the Af- African American Film Critics Association on their website and also on their YouTube channel where I am, a, where I and other Black um, critics interview and interview black creatives in the film and television industry. And um, our most our most re- recent was with Rada Blank, who is the writer, producer, and director of The 40-Year-Old Virgin. It's a hilarious, dramatic film about a, a, for a woman turning 40, finding her way through grief, and finding a new identity through rapping and teaching. And it's hilarious. You can find the film on... Um, you, you can find the film on Netflix. It comes out October 9th. So by the time this episode comes out, it would already be on Netflix. And yeah, you can find my interview also with the cinematographer, Eric Branco, on the But Why the Podcast um, website as part of my Sundance coverage. And for Nisha, what do you have to plug? Um, Not much else for me this month. Just like, you know, you all can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Nisha Plays, that's N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S. Yep, y'all can find me on there doing cosplay, other things. I have some pieces coming out for But Why Though later this month, um, one of them being 13 anime to watch for Spooky Season. So if y'all want to watch some scary anime, not all of them are traumatizing. Carolyn knows (laughs) I like some deep, dark, traumatizing stuff. I've put some fluffy things in there too. So y'all can keep an eye out for that. But that's it for me. And then our guest, how would you like people to find you or where can they find your work? Uh, you can find me at Perdita Patrice on Twitter and Instagram. That is P-E-R-D-I-T-A-P-A-T-R-I-C-E. And you can find some of my freelance work on loveblackgirls.org. I do write for them on occasion and um, hopefully I'll be making an announcement soon about this new mini documentary that I'm working on at, at the moment. So. Great. Well, we look forward to hearing about that when you make the announcement. Um, but with that, we will see y'all next time. Bye. Bye everyone. Wash your hands and wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome back and happy.